Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Spurs News Podcast. I am Sam, joining me to discuss a very busy show this week and discuss lots, including two games, a transfer window... FFP rules, the lots. It's my partner in crime from all the podcasts. It's Stefan. Hello, hello, hello. How are we doing? Yeah, good, man. Yeah, okay. Um, I am fully focused. I'm like razor, you know, kind of sharp. I've got my eye in. I'm ready to go. We have got a lot to get through today. Yeah, this is going to be quite a busy podcast. Yeah, no tangents whatsoever. This is going to be laser focused. I do not promise that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's my aim. It's, it's my <laughs> anyway. Uh, so straight away, um, we have got a lot to talk about. There's two games. There's the Brentford game to talk about, which, let's face it, there's a few topics there. The Everton game to talk about, there's certainly some topics there. We want to wrap the January window, go through our outgoings, incomings, and sort of discuss it. Then um, we had a number of messages, and a few people sort of said... They liked our discussion last week on um, FFP, and they wanted me to do a little bit more on that. Um, so we're going to have that conversation as well. So nice. this is yeah, this is whew, there's a lot now because we knew it was going to be a lot. I didn't put a message out this week for comments. I, I kind of thought right, like, this is going to be a packed show. So if I try and because it's kind of funny, like if we've ever got a week where we haven't had a game but we're doing a show. And I say, hey, everybody, send us in your comments or questions. We'll get, like, two. And then i got yeah. to, like, ramble for 45 minutes. Um, and there's, like, nothing. But if we ever have a show where we're rammed, and I'm like, oh, I'll just ask, see if anyone's got any questions. Well, we'll get, like, three. <laughs> so it's, like, the way it goes. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put a message out this week. I'm not going to do that because we got loads to talk about. Uh, but we did get one in anyway. And fortunately, the person who sent one in has his own theme. Now it's time for a comment from my brother. It's cold, it's grey, it's horrible in most of the UK today. So just enjoy this. The theme for Island Brother. No copyright infringement intended, leave me alone. Uh, okay, Island Brother says, Happy New Year to the whole team. It's February, dude. Just, just, just message us earlier. This, this is appalling. Um, I hope <laughs> Two this... months later, but he's there. It's okay. Hey, look, it's Island Brother. He's relaxed. He's chill. It's Happy New Year for him. It's February. He's probably just, he's probably just woken up from his New Year's celebrations. Um, <laughs> I hope this turns out to be fruitful and fulfilling year to all who produce, support, and listen to this excellent podcast. It's a bit sucking up, but I like it. He knows me. He knows if he wants me to read it out, he has to say nice stuff. Um, after that bit about brooms getting stuck places, I'll be reading <laughs> those episode notes. Now. Yeah, so, um, you know, I always said no tangents. Here we go. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone who listens to this podcast in a podcast format will know that there's often a podcast description. And I, I try, I really try every week to write a kind of like, hey, on this week's show, we talk about this, 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 and much more. Have a listen. And I, I and every now and again... <laughs> every now and again it prompts you you see when you're uploading them you get like this thing about like oh you've not filled this in you need to fill this in yeah every now and again my brain snaps it's like 
What do you want me to say? We're talking about Tottenham again. <laughs> it's like, we won some, we lost some, and so my brain just goes, do you know what? I don't think anyone ever reads this, so I, I wrote a ramble nonsense. So if you've not read it and you, you're one of the people that actually, yeah, I never read those descriptions. Some um, of them are gold. Based on the feedback, apparently I should just go rogue every week. Um, so it always I always make sure to check them now. I mean, it's been about a year or so where I have, like, every week I now check them. I'm like, well, there, there, oh. was, there was the one time where, like, halfway through, um, just, I, I wrote this sort of, like, dissertation on transfers, and then halfway through, I put a brownie recipe just to see if anyone was really reading it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a few people were just like, what the f-? I was like, well, There was that time that you gave out lovely Laura's phone number one digit at a time yeah. for 11 weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was really happy about that. It got to week seven, and I think she realised that you were actually doing it, and then panicked. <laughs> yeah, she was, uh, she was so mad. Yeah. Uh, never mind. Well, you know, and I and I, officially I can't do that again because of the whole police restraining order thing. But anyway, back to this message. Um, <laughs> so it says, my question, has the fifth spot been finalised to be a Champions League place, and is there a significant boost to the money has been awarded with qualification this year? Keep up the stellar work and come on you swears. Um, I can confirm that absolutely no, it has not been confirmed. And the reason why it's been based on coefficient. And when you hear the commentators on a regular basis for Sky, uh, TNT Sports and everyone else covering the Premier League, they seem to be insinuating like, oh, fifth place could be a Champions League place. Fifth place could be a Champions League place. It could be enough this year just to be fifth. The thing that they're kind of missing out on is... English clubs haven't actually done that well. Two English teams got bombed out of the Champions League at the group stage. Now, typically, English teams do perform quite well um, in the Champions League. You know, Man City won it last year. West Ham won the Conference League. And they'll never let us forget it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so teams will progress quite well. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think Liverpool are in the Europa League now. Am I right, Matt? Yeah, Liverpool dropped into the Europa League. Yeah. Liverpool, if they want it, could walk that. They should, shouldn't they? They, That should be a trophy without much of a sweat. And if they do that, and Man City go far in the Champions League, which, again, they got no reason not to think they could, they retain it even, then, yeah, there's a very good chance. But let's say all of those teams get bombed out like Liverpool, like, oh, Europa League, nah, nah, you're all right, yeah, here's our third under-21s, you know, half-blind team, um, then, yeah, they'll, you know, it's a motivational thing. I always question Tottenham on it. I always question why we didn't try and win that competition. Um, the Conference League, yeah, we should have We should have been the first winners of that. There was not yeah. really a team in there no. until the very later stages that really um, would have given us any sort of trouble. And, and even then, the, the teams that were kind of dropped into it from the Europa League... We should have been beating. Yeah, Yeah. and you you looked at it and you're like, it's purely a motivational thing, and that must be, that must have been club wide because you know it's just awful. You know, if you're not going to show up in a tournament, it's pretty pathetic. Um, So, if Liverpool have some apathy, then yeah, they won't do it. If Liverpool, I guess they've got an extra bonus reason to try and win it now as well, aren't they? They're going to want to win as many cups this season as possible, aren't they? 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but they should every season. Tottenham should have every club should every season want to win as many trophies as yeah, possible. Yeah, and and you're not wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, not you're not wrong at all. I uh, just, I, I guess, I guess for me, it's kind of like if the motivation's there, those teams will do very well in those tournaments. Yeah, and those teams will add to our coefficient, which is good um but obviously based on this season so at the end of all the european competitions we'll know who who's getting that place uh i i think depending on their performance earlier we might get a stare earlier but i'm pretty sure someone said recently italy's on course oh so i don't know uh but yeah every commentator over here is like oh fifth could be enough fifth could be but no one's actually explaining it so it's a good question uh but no certainly not nailed on uh, if you're a team battling for the Champions League, you want top four, so you so you know. Yes. Um, if you're a team battling for Europe, then you know you want to be top six and see where the chips lie. I, yeah. uh, it's it's interesting the perspective on this because a lot of people going into this season, if we got any European football qualification, they'd have said that was good. It's a transitional season; they can't get away from that. Yeah, you know, a new manager to the league, new man, new, uh, you know, totally different football style. You know, you couldn't have more night and day between. Oh gosh, yeah, he's got to kind of revamp the entire club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So you know, so everyone looked at it. Everyone knew. Everyone knew this was going to be a transitional season. And even the most optimistic people have like, I've looked at and I think it's going to work. Like me, I, I, I was sort of, oh, this, this seems mad to me. I did loads of reading, and I was like, okay, it could work, but. I know my club. <laughs> I've I've seen this squad of players, you know, managers come in, oh, this looks good, oh, no, okay, you're all just going to give up, fair enough. And I knew my owners, oh, they're not going to revamp the squad. Why would they do it now? They've had all this time to do it, they've never done it. So I was impressed with the summer window. I was impressed again that we did our business early in January. And... I I feel that they have done all that they can do to to now. It's almost like the penny dropped. You know what? You're right. The squad is stale, <laughs> um, and so it is a transitional season. And like I said, for me, still European qualifications a win this season. Champions League's a bonus. That that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um. So whatever. I, I see. I was looking at it from a completely different point of view on Europe. Yeah. Yeah. If we get the Europa Conference League, yeah, we are going to see some of our incredibly talented young squad <laughs> yeah. get extra game time. Uh, you, if we're in the so, Conference yeah. League, you've got to think that you know Scarlet's going to get some games, Donnelly's going to get some games. Uh, you know, um, players like that should come through and get some game time. Yeah. If we get the Europa League, yeah. Okay, you're looking at the slightly higher profile players, the the Troy Parrots and the Alfie Devines should get some game time. Yeah. We get the Champions League, that's strongest eleven every week. Yeah. Because it's Champions League. So for me, I would quite like Conference or Europa League. Yeah. To help blood through the younger the younger players. But at but the same the, time that you that Champions League song playing. It's, it's an interesting thing because what what is your goal? 
So your goal is to create a team that challenges for trophies and win things. That's that's the goal. That's that's the aim and everything. Yep. And what you just said then is that actually it's a great example of um, what happened with um, that that bloke who's destroying Chelsea is that he had the Europa League and he was able to throw. It was actually Sherwood, I think, who was able mm. to throw Harry Kane into that. Like, oh, you know, no one, no one at this club cares about it, so I'm going to throw him in there. But if you think about back just five minutes ago, me and you discussing, we should have won that first conference league. We didn't take it seriously. And yet, fast forward now, you've just said, well, we should <laughs> play our youth team. The exact same thing. But no, not the youth team, but give younger players a chance. Yeah. But in, but in your experience, time, when we make wholesale changes, when uh, when it, do we ever perform? Um, No, no, it doesn't. So, so do you see my point? It's like this is yeah. it's, it's it's a pretty because everything you said then was right. Like you know, you should use that competition because it is the, the the third tier, the Conference League. Definitely, I would certainly look at that and go. I would not want to see Romero Van der Ven start in those games. I'd want to see, you know, you'd want to see the young or the squad, but you want to see them get those game times so it keeps the whole squad fresh, rotate, but a mix. So, you know, because you're not going to see the best out of Troy Parrott as a striker. In Tottenham, unless he's playing in front of Madison, yeah, you know, and it's hard to then judge. It's like, oh, can I judge Troy in this game because he's playing in front of people who also don't play very often? So, but but then you have that flip side. They then lose those games, or we don't progress, and everyone goes, oh, we didn't take it seriously, and and that's and and we, me and you, have just had that discussion, and yeah, is it is a real tricky balance to find between. Um, wanting to bring through players, wanting to kind of get game time, game experience to them, but also win things. And if you're in the Champions League, you are spot on. You do not, you do not risk. You know, if everyone's fit, your first team starts every game, which yeah. means your first eleven needs to be used to and prepared to play two games a week regular. Because yeah, you're you looking wanna... at like fifty to sixty games a season, and then all of a sudden. You know, the League Cup becomes your youth team and stuff like that, which, again, I mean, even that annoys me because <laughs> it's a competition that we could win. But yep. it's the it's the reality because not every club's Man City. Not every club can have a, a bench of 11 players yeah. that would make I'm going to rotate my squad this year. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Who are you bringing in? Jack Grealish, Bernardo Silva, yeah. <laughs> Alvarez up front. Yeah, well, I, I, oh, I watched sure them dismantle a team the other day and... Um, they had uh, Silva and Foden playing. Yep. And then he subbed them about 70 minutes for De Bruyne and um, Grealish. Yeah. And I, and I looked at it and I went, let me look at that bench for a minute. Just let me have a quick look. I know it's only nine players on there, but I'm like, if you took those nine players from that bench and fielded Man City B in the Premier League, I think they'd be in the top half of the table. Oh, at least. And, yeah. and probably, yeah, probably challenging... Man City A. <laughs> now I get it. It's you know the money and all that sort of thing. Then it's a whole other conversation to have. But when you look at us compared to that, then we, we, yeah, it's 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 a different ball game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, without you know without being horrible to any of the Spurs players, would you rather have De Bruyne on the bench or Hoybio? That's not being horrible. That that's just stating a fact. It's, it's yeah. Hoybio. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, like I said, we're not going to go on tangents, uh, but for a quarter of an hour, we've been doing this podcast, and we've not actually started the um, the agenda uh, yet. Yeah. So, thank you, Island Brother. Really appreciate it, mate. Uh, we're going to start. We started with you, and yeah, we went off on one. So, let's get stuck into this then. So, the Brentford game. Um, yes. The first thing I want to talk about the Brentford game is the result, because... It, for me, it got a little bit overshadowed with, with a few things in the game, but we won the game, and I think I think a lot of people underestimate because possibly the league position is not very fair on Brentford currently, but they're a good side. Yes. Uh, they, they are a, a well-organised, well-coached, uh, full of very, uh, like, for what they do and the way they play, they, they've got a good side uh, for the system, and with Ivan Tony back in their team... They they've got a genuine goal threat. I mean that guy was yeah. given one sniff again, like literally a gift against us and buried it. Yeah. Um and that's that's the kind of forward, you know, that a lot of clubs yeah, are looking I mean, for right now. You wouldn't bet against him scoring a goal, would you? <sighs> what is no. this? No. <laughs> no. No? Okay. No. That's that's a risky joke. It's gambling, that is. Um, <laughs> right, so the first thing I want to talk about, and so we won the game, uh, it's yes. 3-2. Uh, I personally feel like the scoreline should have been more in our favour, but it was 3-2 and that's the way the football is. The yeah. dart celebration. What oh, is your my. opinion on this? Because this escalated like a mother... Mate, even like the, the official Spurs admin on social media was getting involved. Yeah. Like, yeah. everyone, the aftermath on social media... You had Madison and Muppe, Muppet, where was Mope. that? Yeah, Mope, that was it. Yeah. Um, you know, those two having a pop at each other and Yeah. Yeah. Now we saw um Saka did it. Yeah. In the Arsenal game. And James Madison laughed it off as it's a bit of banter between England teammates. Yeah. And I was like, okay, fair enough, that's cool, no worries. But Mope did it at the start of the game, and oh, but I think it was the fact he did it in front of the Tottenham fans as well. Yeah, and Ivan Tony joins in. Yeah, and you know any sports related kind of celebration is always again a bit bit of a gamble with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was kind of like, oh, okay. I I was just kind of like you, Dick. What are you doing that celebration for? But then I look at it <clears throat> at the same time. How many people do that Ronaldo celebration? Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things. Um, for me, it's whatever. I, I enjoyed it because it galvanised the team and it seemed to really kind of... I say it galvanised the team. He scored that goal in the 15th minute and we didn't score yeah. until after half-time. It, it, it's interesting because it would appear to me, and I see this is funny because if you look at what happened, so we went in it, we kind of lost our heads a little bit. Like we, we yeah. weren't focused after that. Mope was getting in people's faces, he was causing all sorts of problems, um, he was winding people up, and it came in at half time. And we came out and we blew them away in like 10 minutes. I think it was 3 1 after like 10 15 minutes. Yeah, and we came was and every goal celebration was darts related, <laughs> and and there's yeah. like there's this great one of Johnson where Johnson's like doing a real proper look at me throwing darts, and it yeah. cracks me up like oh wow they and I was thinking at halftime, Ange must have said to him, are you gonna let him 
can do that in our house. Are you going to let him do that? Yeah. Because it felt like they came out like, no, we are fucking not. Like, they came out, like, fired up. (laughs) So I was thinking that that team talk at halftime must have been churchillian along the lines of like and just focused in on look at what he did you you think that's okay and then Ange in the press conference afterwards it was like put to him like oh you know everyone seemed really fired up about that and he was really pissed about it he was like yeah. well go get in the ufc cage you think yeah tough. he was like if you think you're a hard man get in a ufc cage and see how tough you are this is football we're here to play football and i was like whoa okay yeah. Okay, that's where I, I didn't like. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not expecting to come out and be like, "Yeah, that really wound me up," like that. Because of course he's not going to react that way. Because always every player every week's going to do it. But to basically just sort of say, "Oh, if they got wound up by that, it's pathetic." You know, we're here to play football, mate. And I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, okay, it was I kind got of that wrong. Yeah, like, it was a bit of a strange one because I'm the same as you. I expected that half-time talk the way we came out. Yeah. Almost like, yeah, he's turned around to Madison and gone, he's just done your celebration in your face. Are you, are yeah. you okay with that? Are you, you all right with And that? by the way, when you say in his face, he then, like, you seen the thing, like, you walked away from it and Madison obviously said something to him and he, like, grabbed Madison. Like, they were proper. That wasn't nice. That wasn't polite. From, from what I've seen online, Madison turned around and went, you don't score enough goals to have your own celebration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, like, you you don't score enough to have your own yet to steal my one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, there was, there, I think there was a lot said, but like you, I I, I assumed because of the way they all were. But I, don't get me wrong. I think at halftime you must have fired into them. Like you've let yourself, you've let yourselves down here. You've let yourselves yeah. get rattled. You've let yourselves take uh, lose your focus. So get back to it. Get back to playing football because if you do that, you're gonna you're you'll win. And yeah. they did. They came out second half, laser focused. What annoys me, and I think if I was Ange, I'd, I'd be worried about this right now. We appear to have gone back to almost the Conte thing of we are only playing for 10 or 15 minutes and then shutting off and then another 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, we so we came out yeah. after half time and I say we scored 48, 49, 56. Yeah. Why, if we were playing well enough to get those three goals that quickly, yeah, where's the goal at 62? Where's the goal at 68? Why did we stop? I mean, don't get me wrong. I I will say this. They then closed shop. They then did it. And then, of course, we made an error, which allowed Mm -hmm. them a goal, which then changed the mentality again. But like you just said then, the, the don't stop mentality doesn't appear to be there at the moment. Like we don't stop is his big thing. It's and you and from people at the stadium, he still yells it enough. Like he he's like not relenting on this. This is one of his principles, and it's a principle same with Pep. Um, it's the same with Klopp, which is if you are three four nil up, then you could be six seven eight nil up. And when you look at goal differences and stuff, you know we're the third highest scorers in the league. Yeah. But our defensive record is not com- comparable with Liverpool and Man City. And the funny thing is, is like Liverpool and Man City do concede goals. Like they like they do concede. But they're yeah. typically 4-0 up. <laughs> or 4-1 up. Or, so, yeah, or, you know, to, to, to kind of carry on what you're saying, Liverpool have a goal difference of 30. Yeah. Man City have got a goal difference of 29. We have a goal difference of 14. Yeah, but we're the third highest scorers. 
Aston Villa have got a goal difference of 19. Yeah. You know, yeah, we are... Yeah, so it's, 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 an int- it's an interesting thing. And I think a lot of it's down to cohesion. At the start of the season, we had 10 games, no injuries, yeah. playing basically the same team, and we looked great. Like we Every game, we were just building and building and building. The cohesion was there. We weren't conceding, really. Um, and then we've, ever since then, we've not been able to get a run, really, where we've been able to field the same team, same team. Now, no. we were for Brentford and Everton, but I still think rusty. I still think Madison looks rusty. I think Romero looks a little bit rusty at the moment. I think Van de Ven just looks like he never missed a frigging game. The guy's the guy's a colossus. I, I just can't say enough good things about the guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I think Udogi and Poro are starting to look a bit tired. I think they're starting to look done in, um, which when you think about it, those two didn't really pick up injury. I mean, Udogi picked up suspensions, but the two of them have practically, I think someone said like the other day, Poro's not missed. You know, the guy's been there constantly, but they both now look a bit tired. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so for me, it's just kind of a, I, I don't quite know, uh, the Brentford game, the darts thing, the coming out fired up, the difference between us and like the, the next level or the, the level we're aiming at, I think is when we went three, one up, we stopped Yeah, and it was really visible. Uh, you watch Man City, you watch Liverpool and to a lesser extent, you watch Arsenal. You, you, they don't like, they go three, one up. They're looking for four. And that's what Ange is trying to drive us towards. Ange ball and his way of football is we don't stop. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if you're quite yeah. there yet. It doesn't matter if you're in the 90th minute, 9-0 up, well, let's make it 10. When when did we last win a game 10-0? And, and yeah. it's just, that's the mentality. And it's a mentality we've not, Tottenham, I, I don't think I've had in my lifetime. Like, we've had snippets here and there of good stuff going on, but you, we've always had that kind of, oh, we're winning. Oh, brilliant. Okay, chill out. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah. yeah. Like oh we're only one nil up and that's dangerous oh we're only two nil up that's, like I, I've seen us in games three nil up and just in total dormant cruise control the other team score and then it's three all before before you've blinked yeah because momentum is so huge in sport you cannot you cannot underestimate it like, and I, I like I know I've said this a few times and people will probably roll their eyes I, I played rugby to a certain level and I remember playing a game against a team we should have hammered. Like you, like you looked at it and it's like we've beaten this team by sixty odd points the five times I've played them, and we showed up and none of us were like playing really. It was just this kind of like ah we we only got to show up, and I remember being at half time like twenty odd points down and looking at each other like what the f- how the hell is this happening? Yeah, <laughs> and it's because of the mentality. It was just a complete and utter. You don't show up in the Premier League, you lose. And so you have to have this elite mentality, and Tottenham haven't had it for a long time, which is why they're so win one, lose one, win one, draw one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but uh, and just trying to change that in the culture, he, and he is doing everything he can to do it. But you know, three two win over Brentford. The important thing is the win. Um, but I think he will have focused in on that afterwards, along the lines of when we when we blew them away, we had our foot on their throat. And we took it off. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Doggy made a mistake, you know, but the thing that made me laugh, I don't know if you've seen this, Doggy made that pass straight to Ivan Tony, right? 
Yeah. It was it was a risky pass, a back pass. Tony gambled to get in on it, and and he scored. Yep. Dum dum dum. I think that's the fifth gambling joke. We're doing right. well. We're doing yeah, well. That's not bad. <laughs> I just want to make sure everyone's really aware of it. Um, and then the funny thing is, like, everyone's like, "Oh, doggy, oh, fucking hell, blah, blah, blah. When they showed the replay, who doggy can't see, <laughs> you can see he can't see where he's going. No. And then shouting to him to pass it back to Vicario. Oh, so it? your doggy does what he's told, and then when the goal scored, he's, everyone's looking right at your doggy. He was looking at Van de Ben, and Van's going, I didn't see him. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's play, everyone is like livid with him, and he's just looking at Van de Ben like, you told me. He's like, I didn't see him. I did not see him. It's like, oh, Jesus. Like, And even like now, like the press conference afterwards, everything's like, oh, your doggy made that back pass. And Andrew's like, yeah, you know, he didn't see him. <laughs> your doggy must just be like staring at him in the changing rooms. Really? Really, dude? <laughs> really? Yeah. Do you know, yeah. the press have started liking me again. Why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's funny. Yeah, it is funny. Um, So, the for game, is there any flash you wanted to touch on with that game? Um, no, I think that's pretty much as is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the Mope thing, the Mope just becomes the latest in a long line of assholes that we're make, we're making a list this season. Um, I swear we have like one a game. We we do every there, game. We have a new player that we hate. Yeah, uh, Mope, <laughs> Mope, Mope, mate. He's made the list. <laughs> so, yeah. um, someone done a thread on Twitter, and if I can find it, I'll share it for anyone who wants to see it. And it's like our Tottenham's list of enemies this season. And the list is... Do you know what? When I read back through it, I was like, I'd forgotten that son of a bitch. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm like, I'm angry again. <laughs> it's like, oh, I am furious. We all and remember of course, Matty Cash being a dick, but there's other Yeah, Matt, Matty done. Cash. Oh, there's, there's loads. There's like the guy who stamped on Stunning's nuts from Wolves. and Yeah, there's... Oh, yeah. Mate, it's a whole thing. I mean, stamping on Stunning... I mean, that could destroy Korea's footballing heritage. Right, anyway, moving on. Um... <laughs> Everton game. First thing I want to talk oh. about is Richie. Right? Yes. First thing I want to talk about in this game is Richarlison. One, did you see the quite ridiculously wonderful, heartwarming picture of him with the Everton fan? Yes, it's like his his biggest fan. Yeah, yeah. so this Everton yeah, fan looked like met him when basically was a baby. Um and then was like two there's a picture of them together. Uh, you know, I say baby, like two or whatever, and then and then older, and then Richie shows up for this game, and there he is, and Richie spots him, picks him up, and takes a picture with him. Um, yeah, I love that. And do you know what the thing I love about it the most is like Richie wouldn't put in that anywhere. That's the family have done that and sort of tagged him in it. Yeah, he, he hadn't done that for like, hey, this will look good on the socials, which sometimes I fear some people do. <laughs> yeah, um, he seems a genuinely good guy, which I've said before. Um, the thing that me and you have kind of gone around on is whether he's a good striker. And I, I, I'll admit that he isn't Harry Kane quality as a striker, and very few in the world are. And that's been my point, I think, to a lot of people, which is we've been spoiled for the best part of a decade of having one, of the, most le- yeah. one of the most lethal finishers in football history as our as our striker. And therefore, whoever is trying to, trying to score the goals for us, we're just going to be like, Oh, Kane would have scored that, and it's, it's a really difficult thing to shake because it, it's it, you do have that feeling sometimes, like oh, we just scored that, we'd have done that. 
I just tend to try and remind myself that I watched Kane miss a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And some games I didn't even know he was there. Like, oh, you know, it's a final. Where's Kane? Not, not on the pitch. Um, so <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, I'm still there. So it, the, the debate over Richie has been kind of that. So you've called him crap, rubbish, hate him, want him sold. How do you feel he did? Love Richie, number nine. <laughs> God. No, uh, um, so. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we we spoke to the teller. Off the pitch, he does seem to be a genuinely quite a nice guy. Yeah. My problem was always his attitude on the pitch. Okay. You know, the wind changes direction, he goes down like there's a sniper in the fifth row. You know, things like that I didn't like. And he always seemed so stroppy on the pitch. And I think, I've said before on the podcast, like his attitude already had my back up. Like kind of, why? Why have we signed this guy? Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and then when you've already got your back up against the character, when they score one goal in 29 games yeah. as a striker, you're kind of like, well, I told you it was shit. Yeah. Um, this season, he is. Just out- to clarify, is this you justifying the flip flop? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I have now got the nickname flip flop when it comes to football. Um, <laughs> you gave it your. You said to me you were unashamed. What was it you said? You're unashamedly. Oh, no, it's gone, what you said to me. I'm very flip-floppy. Yeah, yeah no, it wasn't flip-floppy. It was just like, basically, yeah, I'm... um. Oh, it'll come to me. Keep talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, like, so last season, he was not good. Like, um, beginning of this season, he was trying hard, but it wasn't quite there. And I will hold my hands up. This kid, he has come back from surgery, and he is like, we've signed a new player. Yeah, like, to, this, to, certainly to a point, yeah. This is not the Richarlison that we saw in the 15 to 18 months previous to that operation. Yeah, um, that's fair. And I've gone from, oh, Richarlison's got the ball near the box. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll take a drink now or I'll check my phone because, you know, Richarlison's got the ball near the goal. We know how that's going to end. To now, I'm oh. I, he gets the ball near goal. And I'm like, oh, hello. Something's going to happen here. Like, uh, I think it was the first goal against Everton. No, yeah. the, se- the second goal. <clears throat> second one. The second there. one, the little touch from Madison and then the yeah. finish. And I'm like, that is a fantastic finish. Both both were. When both were very good both finishes. Like different, but both, yeah. Both were really and very good. We've watched two games since the last podcast. It was either... The Brentford or the Everton game, one of the games, he picks the ball up at the edge of the box and he whistles in a hell of a strike that just goes past the post. That was I'm, the Brentford game. That was the Brentford game. It was a hell of a strike, yeah. Just goes wide. And I'm like, he wasn't even attempting that six months ago. Like, no, he it's... has got the confidence and the sharpness back and he is never going to be my favourite player. However, at the moment, I can appreciate we have got a striker on form. So if and he goes, long may that continue. If he goes a running games without scoring now, but st- still putting the effort in and stuff, but done the score, are you going to flop back? No, 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 no. I will. No, no, no. You've you've officially flipped and flopped, and and you've landed on he's a good guy. I've landed on he he ain't a bad striker. He ain't Kane, but he ain't a bad striker. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see him get 16 plus goals this season. I'm, he's I'm on, really pushed. He's on 10 now. Yeah, is that 10 league goals? 
Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's possible in, in the way we play. Um, you certainly, I think you'll get the chances. And like you said, I mean, since that surgery, which, uh, you know, the thing is, like, we, we, we can sit back and look at players and go, they're just not performing, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. And it's sometimes very easy to forget they're humans. And yeah. he was obviously in a lot of pain, and he was also really struggling with his mental health. And he's talked openly about how he needed help and the club helped him with that to seek professional help for his mental health situation. Yes. And then Sonny, this is my favourite thing, Sonny, get the surgery now. Oh no, because I've got to help them get it now. Because I did that last season and I ended the season in agony and playing crap. Get it now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was like, oh, okay. So he went, this is like a little side story, he went to Ange and was like, oh no, I want to stay and help the team, but Sonny said I need to get it now. And apparently Ange went, yeah, do it now. <laughs> and he was like, oh, really? I thought you'd be mad. He's like, nope. <laughs> I, I need you, like you've struggled and I need you to feel confident in your body, get it done, get pain free, and then you're yeah. going to be, you know, you're, you're the guy, you're, you're, our, you're our number nine sort of thing. He must have felt 10 foot tall that his captain and the head coach put his health first. Don't you think? I, I hope so. I hope I, he went know, that like, way you, and he you didn't look, go the way of, oh my God, they really don't even No, no, look at, look, at the way, no look, at the, look at the way he's playing. <laughs> look at, look, no, think about it. Look yeah, at the way he's, he's playing. playing. Yeah. To me, again, and this, someone said this, uh, it was an account called Bankrupt Spurs on Twitter. Oh, yes. He said this, and, and it, he talked about Ange, and I can't remember the example that he said it about, but he, he basically said, what a difference it is looking at the players when you've got a manager who's speaking to them like human beings yeah. and not, you know, not like not like the sociopaths we've had in Jose and Conte. And, you know, the, the kind of elite winner mentality thing that we were trying to bring in and stuff like that, and... These guys have been successful. There's no doubt in that. But so's Ange. So's yeah. Pep. And you don't see them discuss or talk to their player. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd say that. Pep. Pep. The only player I've ever seen Pep really get nasty with is Calvin Phillips. And yeah. I've got to be honest with you. I've seen him play for West Ham twice now. And I'm starting to agree with Pep. <laughs> I can understand. Yeah, it's not been great. You see his first touch was to give the ball away and they scored. He was getting booed by the West Ham fans <sighs> after eight minutes. Hey, yeah. I was, it was so hard not to laugh. It was just, yeah, anyway. What's <clears> worse <throat> is that I spent the whole of January going, sign him, sign him. You did. You really <laughs> did. But what's, what's it again, but like I said to you, didn't I? It's like I, us and a fair few clubs, I think, made like inquirers looked at it and then went, no. There has to, you know, there's got to be a reason. There, there's got to <laughs> be. Cause yep. When he was at Leeds, he looked great and he made the English squad and everything and you're like, Gets to Man City and Pep goes, no, mate. <laughs> Not from me at all. Why are we signing this guy? Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Um, so the Everton game, we talked about Rich's goals. Um, the game ends in a draw. And because they equalised quite late on, that always feels like a defeat. Um, yeah. The same way grabbing a last-minute equaliser sometimes feels like a win. Um, the reality is, is a draw away at Everton at Goodison Park, which, to be quite blunt to everybody, is a friggin' difficult place to go. Yeah. You come away with three points or a point, sometimes you got to go, all right, we didn't lose. 
Um, I know where they are on the table, and I know the narrative of we should be beaten. I never, I, I never get on board with that. I, I do know what you mean, and I do know you look at these games and you go, we should be targeting three points. And it feels like we've dropped two because of the late goal, definitely. Yeah. Um, but there's certain aspects of this game that like was was interesting to me. And the reason why it was interesting is because a lot of people compare Goodison Park to White Hart Lane. And I, I think that's fair. It was a it's really... small, imposing, kind small, of close to the pitch. It's about as small a pitch as you can have in the Premier League by the by the rules. It is is a proper football stadium as as was. Um, you know, they're building a new one like we did. So, you know, it is, it's as it was. It's kind of right in there, right on the pitch, kind of... Well, right I watched um, Porro take a corner. Yeah. And he got three steps away from the ball. Yeah. And that was as far as he could go. Yeah, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You go yeah. to like the London Stadium, and you've got a hundred meter run up from the crowd. Oh yeah, well if you, yeah, I mean you, you go know, to it's that, a big you difference. Go, you go to that athletics track. The guy can do a quick triple jump before he has to take the corner because it's all yeah. there. But no, it's um, it, it's a very imposing place, especially in the atmosphere. The thing that's frustrating for me from the result is more that I felt like we killed the atmosphere. We went 2-1 up. We actually dominated the ball for a while, which took all of the wind out of them. Like, we did nothing. And then we switched yeah. off again. Yeah. And there's there's two there's two kind of camps to this. One, where I am, which is this is a mentality issue that the club has that Ange still needs to work through. Because it's gone on. You know, this isn't an Ange Postacoglu alone problem. This is since I've supported Tottenham. <laughs> the problem yeah. where it's like, yay, we're winning. We don't need to play anymore. Oh, they've scored like five times. Bloody hell, now we're not winning. <laughs> yeah, and it's that like, happened. Like, yeah. that happened? Well, hello. <laughs> um, so, th- so there's two parts that I want to just put to you. So the first one is, the debate is, is it a mentality issue that caused that? Or was it the substitutions from Ange? Because there appears to be a real divide among the fan base on social media where a lot of people are like, we still got a lot of work to do to stamp out and this we don't stop, which is what I just discussed with Brentford. Yep. But then there's other people who are like, no, I'm sorry. And she's out of his depth with this. You do not make the substitutions he made because you know you're going to lose cohesion in an important... You're 2-1 up, away at Everton... And he changed, he changed all back. Through, you know, he changed everything, and then it fell apart, and and they scored. What what are you? What's your opinion? Are you sort of either of those? Are you neither? Or are you something else? What what's your thoughts? So, like, don't get me wrong. Like, if you take off Timo Werner and you replace him with Brian Gill, I love Brian Gill. I think he's great. I clearly have a thing for the number eleven shirt and an underdog. Um, right. I've realised it's an unhealthy obsession with the number eleven shirt. I've realised, but yeah, if you take off Timo Werner and you replace them with Brian Gill, you are yeah. not going to have the same quality of ball carrying, threat presence, etc. Okay, um, so that already is going to change the game. You know, their their fullback, for example, if you're up against a Timo Werner. You ain't getting too far forward because you know the pace and everything else of him. You're um, holding back a bit more. <laughs> just just out of flat. interest. Yeah. Do you, do you think about... If you think about what you just said, I, I rate Brian Gill. I like Brian Gill. 
But you bring him on, the opposition's just laughing. <laughs> no, no, I, I like him and I rate him as a player who he... Brian Gilwood's got something there. He is a very talented footballer. Okay. But he's a very different type of footballer. So when when is Brian Gill's time for us? Like, if you can't bring him on, because yep. when 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 is there a Brian Gill time? Because if it's when we're 5 nil up and we just want to showboat... <laughs> Is he really worth the squad place? <laughs> um, honestly, you see where I'm going. I'm not trying no, to be confrontational. I know just, you're completely it's, right. You're it's just right. a funny. It's just a funny sentence. Like I really like Brian Gill. He comes on, but you're bringing him on. It's basically saying he's we've given up. <laughs> yeah, not quite that bad. But yeah. I, I'm just saying there's a different style there. Like, um, but then yeah. at the same time, the Everton game, like Bentoncourt was almost non-existent. Yeah, he's and, had a yeah again. I, I, I. Do you think that perhaps this is going to sound silly? Like when he first came back from injury, he had that almost like adrenaline of, I'm back, and now he's actually feeling it in his legs a bit. Does that make sense? Do you, do you think maybe I that's put, a thing? I put a very unpopular opinion in the WhatsApp group. Yeah, and that which is was Benton Court is either a four out of ten performance or an eight out of ten performance. For me, do you feel, he do you feel that pre-injury? Yeah, even pre-injury. Oh, like he okay, was, no. if he was in a game, he was pulling the strings and he was amazing. Yeah. If he wasn't in the game, he might as well have sat down in the centre circle. Like okay. he, he's not a player. I, I think it's, it's almost a talent. He is not a player who has an average okay game. He is either brilliant and everywhere, or he's not touching the ball. Pre pre injury, um, I felt he was very consistent at a high level. So yeah, no, I, no, I, I'm not. I'm not denying that. Uh, it was just the case of if he wasn't having an eight, nine out of ten game. Yeah, he was. Not, he didn't touch the ball. Now I don't know if that's a a Benton core issue or if that is a you know say a team a team knows right if Benton core gets the ball, he's going to make things happen. So they completely man mark and shut him out the game. I, I think against sense? Everton, I think he struggled. I think yeah. when you look at that stadium and the pitch and everything, I think Bentoncourt is used to an element of space which he wasn't allowed. Which yeah. is credit to Everton's midfield. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I felt he had a poor game against Everton. I, I don't necessarily agree with the hot and cold thing for him. I think post-injury, I think... Like I just said, he certainly not looked as sharp in the last couple of games as he did in his first comeback. But then, of yeah. course, he got injured again straight away. So, which is difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that with you on that one. But in that game against Everton, definitely, he, he yeah. had a really poor game. Uh, and going back to the question you asked me, I think a bit of it was time management as well. I know okay. um, Polynesian and Dan had a big thing in our group chat about this. He did, yeah, yeah. Um, he, um, so he basically finished waxing his muscles and touching himself um, in front of the mirror to talk to us for a while, which was kind of him. Um, and and he said that he feels that the big problem he's got with Ange is this: we're going to keep playing our way, keep playing our way. Naive in terms of even the best teams, Man City, etc., will manage a game. So his concern is our time management, our game management. Um. To an extent, I agree with him in the extent did, yeah. of 94 minutes into a game, quite clearly, the only way this Everton team are going to score 
is from a set piece. They've yeah. not really broken us down at all. If they're going to score, it's going to be from a set piece. Yeah. Therefore, do net, not let the ball get near the byline for it to go out for a corner. Yeah. And do not mess around near the box, which could result in a silly foul. Now, I, I wrote a dissertation level response to this in our group chat. Yep, you did. Now, my, my view on Angeball is not that it's kamikaze. My view on Angeball is about controlling the possession and just not stopping. You keep playing to play forward because yes. that's what football's about. Now, if you have control of the football, Everton can't win a set piece. They can't score a goal because you have control of the ball. Yes. I think... So I don't think it's an Angeball issue. I think it's not an Angeball issue. I think it's a fact that on the day... The players, for whatever reason, whether it's a few of them feeling fatigue, injuries, whether it was, the, you know, you could say it was the changes, definitely, or whether just they got a dodgy free kick and they were freaking lucky. Yeah. Because <laughs> here's the funny thing, right? We conceded two goals from two set pieces. Yeah. Prior, prior to this game, we'd only conceded four from set pieces all season. Now it's six. Yeah. A four was one of the better records in the league. Sixes puts us kind of in the middle. <laughs> but what's interesting to me, and Ange said this in his post-match, so I'm going to put this to you. Do you feel, therefore, that we were weak at set pieces in that game? In that game? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, but there's another but, something else we explained about is this whole thing with goalkeepers at the moment. Yeah, let, let's come back to that. Let me just yeah. put this to you, because Ange said this, and, I, and like me, like you... Straight away, set pieces, we were shite in that game. We should have dealt with them better. Yeah. How many set pieces did Everton have from corners and free kicks that put the ball in on Vicario during that game, do you think? Uh, probably quite a few. 30. 30? Yeah, and they scored twice. So are we shit at defending that? Or I did we just allow too many? Yeah, which which is which I think is the point he was trying to make, which is no, we weren't crap at defending it. What we were poor at is allowing that to happen. I mean, yeah, law of average. We gave away yeah. corner, corner, corner constantly, and we gave away free kicks and areas. We have a 30, 30 That's deliveries a lot of... from set pieces and like throw-ins and corners in right under Vicario. So it does bring us to that. That natural point that you just made then on Vicario, which is, again, which was a great debate point we had in our group chat. Dan, was, Dan was convinced you bring on Fraser Forster and let him just punch a few oh, people out of the way. I can't, that I can't, to be I can't his... make my mind up if he was genuinely pushing for that or if he was genuinely just trying to piss me off. <laughs> I, I, I think Dan was looking at it from... If you look you, at it, a, profile, a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. If you look at it from profile size, yeah, Vicario as a got he's tall, yeah, but he's very slender. He's he's not someone. If you uh, had a lineup of goalkeepers, yeah, goalkeepers are a bit more. They need to push people out the way. So they've got a bit more bulk on them. You look at Fraser Force. I mean, that guy is like a man mountain. <laughs> he's got like his hand is like the size of my entire torso. That guy's huge. I am um, okay. I'm I'm laughing, and the reason why I'm laughing is because 
the notion that Fraser Forster is a better goalkeeper than Vicario is 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 laughable. Yeah, no, that, that I, I, I think I think if I I think if I sat down with Fraser Forster and said, Fraser, you're a good goalkeeper, you're a brilliant backup in our squad. When you are called upon, you've never let us down. Thank you so much. But are you a better goalkeeper than Vicario? He'd laugh as well because. <laughs> Anyone who's watched Tottenham this season has seen Vicario make saves and do things that has got him rated by some pundits. Uh, Neville Carragher is probably the form goalkeeper in the Premier League this even season. This, even this Everton game, there's that one where yeah. literally 30 seconds after Dan said, bring on Forster, yeah. he I, makes I literally replied with Forster, Forster doesn't save that. No. Forster doesn't save it. Now, Dan's point was, any other position on the pitch, if you're being out-muscled, and change the person, yeah. right? So yeah. let's uh sorry to pick on him, but let's say Brian Gill started the game and Brian yeah. Gill's just getting thrown around like a rag doll. Yeah. You bring on Timo Werner. I, yeah. I get it. I get that, right? Now, for me, the Man City goal in the FA Cup, for me, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, yeah, I, I still think in this game, in the modern game, is a, is a free kick to the goalkeeper. I think the keeper is obstructed. I think the Everton first goal in this game is so much clearer. And I'll tell you what, there was a journalist on Twitter um said this, and he made the point so much better than I can, so I'm just going to mirror him, which was, at least the Man City player made it look like he was going for the ball. <laughs> yeah. He's like, at least he made it look like he was just getting in there trying to head the ball. Because Harrison, for Everton, <laughs> was just yeah. all over Vicario and was backing into him. So I want to put something to you that I didn't think of when we were having this debate with Polynesian Dan, which annoys me. So I'm going to bring it up now because I know he's going to listen and I want to get his take on it. So when you hear this, Dan, put down the wax, leave your muscles alone for five minutes and, and reply to me. Do you remember when suddenly Sky Sports decided that Harry Kane backing in the people was dangerous? Oh, yeah. Every header that you didn't jump for was a dangerous foul to injure a player. Can you you remember what the argument was? Which is, if that person's jumping and you back into them, that's dangerous, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So, when the ball's being whipped into the box, what's Vicario going to do to claim the ball? Well, you'd hope he'd jump and catch it. And what's Harrison doing to him every corner? Backing the heck into him. Yeah. So, so what? What? So let me let me like my my brain's like exploding here. Anywhere else on the pitch now in football because of that whole Sky Sports agenda against Kane, people go that's dangerous. Can't yeah. do that. The reason why goalkeepers suddenly got dubbed protected species is because they jump for the ball. And if you nudge them in the air, you knock them off balance and they land. Remember a few weeks ago, something happened with Porro. Porro like, jumped for the ball and the guy um, just oh, took him took out him in the straight air. Callum Wilson just took him out in the yeah. air and he could have landed on his neck. And that's the point. It only has to be a slight thing. And again, this is my rugby background. I remember yeah. that. You jump for the ball and you just a slight hit. Rugby, it's red cards now. Yeah. It's just there's no, ex- there's no excuse... The guy's jumped up in the air. You hit him in the air. There's no, you're gone. It's just it's yeah. dangerous as how people are. People could get killed. So you come to football and a goalkeeper. Now the way for me, Fakorio solves this because every team's now doing it. Yeah. Is he is he steps into the goal. 
Because what's what's Harrison going to do then? Step over the line? <laughs> yeah. And just runs through him. And he goes through him. Then the referee's got a decision to make. <laughs> because, you know, what's allowed? Harrison's allowed to be all over him, backing into him, stopping him from being able to jump. Because if he does jump and Harrison does it, Vicario breaks his neck. Or potentially, let's, you know, it could yeah. be potentially dangerous. So Vicario needs to protect himself. So if he comes flying out, knees up in the air, and just takes someone's head off, that's okay? Yeah. But this is the point I'm trying to make on this, which is the reason why goalkeepers became that protected species, which everyone moaned about, is because of the danger aspect. It wasn't because of, like, oh, we don't want people being physical around a goalkeeper. And you see it, even with the protected species tag, if they went up and tried to catch the ball and dropped it and someone headed it in, didn't matter if the keeper got knocked flying, they dropped the friggin' thing. But if yeah. you took them out in the air, it's a free kick all day long. You impeded them, free kick all day long. Yeah. Because because if they jump and you you hit them or whatever, so this kind of new interpretation of it is now a case of all right, fine. If that's what we're gonna do, then the goalkeepers have got to look after themselves. I would and love to me, see a goalkeeper come flying out, knee in the air, go through someone. They then complain, and then yeah. the whole. Big debate gets settled of, okay, so what's that, a foul that, and what's yeah. not? Yeah, and that, that's the thing, because right now, and I think it's the point Ange made, which is, we don't know. And the problem is, I don't think the referees on the field know, so they're just letting VAR deal with it. And VAR won't overrule anything. You know, no. if a referee... Unless, unless like someone's done something so blatant and so obvious that the referee simply hasn't seen, you will never see the VAR overrule on field. I mean, it is so no. friggin' rare. Uh, because you, they don't want to embarrass their mates, is the reality. And he might be their VAR next week, and then he'll do him exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. So, and also, the, just the ambiguity on this. So if the referee on the field goes like, you know, I've I, I given the goal because there's like 20 bodies pushing and shoving everyone out, how am I going to see that VAR yeah. sort it out? And yeah. this is what Andrew's getting on. This is what he's getting at, which is, if that is now the mentality of referees, oh, I don't bloody know, let VAR sort it out then we are re-refereeing games. And what makes it worse is the re-referee is just going, yeah, I can't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're all right, mate. Yeah, yeah, what, what you said. So you've got the referee on the field thinking, I don't bloody know. And yep. then you've got the thing going, well, I'm not going to disagree with him because someone at some point needs to be the ref. <laughs> someone, if the referee on the field says, no, I saw what happened and I'm happy with it, then the next corner, Tottenham need to stick someone on Harrison and just don't let him anywhere near the keeper. And then when we've got a corner, stick someone right on their goalkeeper doing identical. Yeah. But we didn't. So so I'm a little I bit annoyed about on That's one of the things that frustrates me as well, is that we've yeah. now had three games. The Man mm. City, the Brentford and the Everton game. Yeah. All three games, Vicario has looked like he's been targeted as a go stand on his toes. Yeah. And not once has Romero or Van der Ven or someone like that gone, all right, we'll do it to their guy. Um, you know, certainly, we're not taking that. advantage. If that is a situation there where the rules are a bit unclear, murky water and stuff, yeah. go play, take advantage of it yourself. Go stick yeah. Hoiberg on the goalkeeper's toes and if nothing else... It distract the goalkeeper. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, you're making him useful. Yeah. Distract the goalkeeper so that when the ball's whipped in towards a Romero or 
Van de Ven or any of the tall guys yeah. in the box, the keeper's got a distraction already in Hoiberg standing on him, you know? Yeah, and, and this, this is the on-field leadership's lacking. Like, someone... And the thing is, like, Romero can be a right RC asshole, like, and I don't understand why. I, I think there's a, I think there's a little bit element as well of us being confused by it. I think we as a team are just kind of like, where has this come from? Like this, this doesn't make sense to us. Like you're fouling him. Like yeah. Van, Van de Ven afterwards, like you know, from my point of view, it's a foul. But he's like, I've not seen thirty replays. I'm on the pitch. Like I've just seen that and I look at it and I go, that looks like a foul. Yeah. So I don't understand how that's happened. But I mean, he was steaming angry after the game. Um, Alistair Gold of Football London interviewed him, and he said, "Like, oh, what was the changing room like?" He said, "I don't know. I was angry. I didn't talk to anyone." It's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> oh, <laughs> Fair right, enough. Yeah. Something Alistair Gold said as well. Like, you were just talking about Vicario. He was, he was saying that Van der Ven's a big, imposing guy. Yeah. He was like, you know, you know, he's tall, but he's like, he is big. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So hello, mate. <laughs> Can I be your best friend? Yeah, um, I'm gonna go stand. Even something as simple yeah. as putting a couple of guys in between the goalkeeper. Like if you've got your own defender standing on the our keeper's toes, yeah. their guy can't be, and our guy can get out of the way when needs be. Yeah. To give him space. Well the thing the thing I think we need to work on this week, and again, this is purely my opinion, I am not a top football coach like these guys are is having someone on that near post who is going to deal with the whipped-in cross. Yep. So teams are going to try and whip it in right under him, and then that, therefore, Van der Ven, someone who's great in the air, a big bugger, who's going to come out and meet the ball every time. Yeah. Because the minute it's not a weapon for someone, the minute they can't get past that, they have to change. Yeah. Yeah. And every team has to stop. So I think if I was working on defensive corners right now, that's where I'd be. One thing again, I'll say, look, look, Vicario, for the first time against Man City, I thought he looked a little bit like he was a bit shaken up. I think he played well against Brentford. Was again, like, there's two goals in that, which I don't think he can do a lot about. I think he no. did okay against Everton. And again, the two goals, I don't think there's a lot he can do about. I still think one was definitely a foul, and the other one was Romero nods it onto the back post like he's frigging helping them. I just. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no one feels worse about that than Romero, apparently, so it's what it is, there ain't a lot he can do, but he made a couple of great saves, um, he kept coming, so he kept coming for the ball, it, it, this has not wrecked his confidence, and that's a that's a big thing for me, like, you know, one of the big things I've liked about him, because uh, Larice stopped, <laughs> Larice at some point went, do you know what, I'm going to stay on my line, trust my reflexes, um, Vicario comes for the ball and I think as a defence you need that you need your yeah. goalkeeper to be confident and he didn't stop and he, he claimed loads in the second half and I thought it was interesting that there were a few times where they tried to stick someone on him and, and Tottenham manoeuvred better I think perhaps at half time someone did shake him a bit uh, whether it should take the coaches pointing it out or whether they should have worked that out themselves is another matter but yeah that's what it is. Um, is there anything else from the Everton game you wanted to kind of um, dive into? No, I think I think we're all good. I mean, Richardson almost getting a hat trick was quite something. Yeah, at Everton as well, which was. Uh... I'm one of these people. I quite liked the whole not celebration kind of, you know, almost apologising yeah. to the away fa- the home fans for scoring. Mm. I I'm a sentimental bastard. I quite like that. 
yeah, he's a good guy. Me, I'd you know, I'd be jumping around like, yeah, I scored for the team I like more than you. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm more of an antagonistic prick. Um, so the January window, a few people wanted us to do a bit of a rap for it. So here we go. Um, word, life, and all that other rap stuff, jokes. <laughs> um, outgoings, because this is kind of funny because the windows, you know, a full month and everything. Uh, we lost Hugo Lloris in this window. Uh, Hugo Lloris served the club for you know a decade more. Yeah. Um, phenomenal goalkeeper. He gave his best years of his career to Tottenham Hotspur when he could have joined a number of Europe's elite clubs. Um, I think there was only one summer, there was only one summer in that whole time where he genuinely was looking to leave. Um, we made a managerial change. The new manager spoke to him and that was it. He was like, okay, no, okay. If this is the direction we're going, I'm happy. So yep. he was incredibly loyal to us when football and modern football doesn't have that he was um, a servant of the club and i still hope that something's going to be arranged testimonial wise so that we get to see him one last time because i um, i hate the fact that the last time we saw him in a spur shirt was yeah. that awful newcastle game there so i i'm like you i'd like to see i mean they call it testimonial but i'd just like to see him play at tottenham again in some sort of charity thing, I don't know what, but I was just like, a few people, I saw a few people trying to add, like, oh, can you put this to the club, can you put this to the club, I was like, no, it's just not done anymore. Yeah. And that, I, I, I don't get, I don't get that, I don't get why, I know, I know testimonials used to be, because there wasn't a massive amount of money for footballers, so it was a way for footballers retiring to have a pot of money, because the testimonial gate went to them. Oh, right. Now, now in modern football, you know, it should go to a charity, definitely. There's no way, there's no way. With the amount they get paid, the idea that we give them a stadium's worth of gate receipts is like something is... But if they did it for charity, I think they'd sell out. I think if Hugo Lloris picked, like, a France eleven, like, from the people he knows and the people he's played with against a Tottenham eleven, the people he knows and people he's played with, and he did it in the summer, I think that stadium sells out. I mean, I'm there, yeah. You know, I mean, I think it sells out. And if all the gate receipts go to a charity, all the bar receipts go to Daniel Levy, I think I can talk Daniel into it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't understand why. Testimonial and it's still, by it far, brilliant. the best atmosphere I have ever been involved in. All i got to say is Lewis Holby. And it just brings back a yep. memory straight away. Yeah. In, him and the referee. But yeah, it it is it is a great thing to do. And it's for for me, it's something that when a player who served the club like he did, it it kind of upsets me a little bit that that isn't something that they went to him straight away. I mean, I don't know. They might have done. He might have gone, nah. <laughs> nah. No, I'm done. I'm out of here. Later, yeah, like, I, was, I was lucky to be at the match where he had his half-time goodbye. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and that was great. That. That, that was great that he had that. But at the same time, I'm like 11 years. And we gave him four and a half minutes of half time. Yeah. I'm like, come on. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean I for me it feels like they would have announced it if they had any plans. You know, yeah. like, oh, and there will be a special thing, you know, stay, you know, we'll we'll let you know when that's done. Eric Dyer did nine years, nearly ten, um, yep. nine and a half nine and a half years, um, and he has now left the club. Um it is officially a loan uh, because the way the deal had to be worked. 
Bayern have paid us a loan fee, which in essence is a transfer fee. Yeah. Uh, but but I think they've structured it this way. I don't know about you, but I think Bayern structured it this way. Basically, got him on trial. <laughs> and and it feels like Eric Dyer has kind of agreed to it because it's like, well, if you don't want me, other clubs will. And then I'll get Kerching, so I'll be a free agent again. Yeah. So He's done it himself kind of like, right, hasn't he? I've got yeah. a six-month loan at a club that's almost guaranteed to win a trophy. Ha! Almost guaranteed. Come on, Leverkusen. Come the on. best thing ever. <laughs> oh, honestly, I will be so happy. Um, you have no idea. No one can ever underestimate. Harry Kane leaves Tottenham have. to win a trophy don't, in a guaranteed don't, don't. trophy it will, league. It will, kill, <laughs> it will kill me. It will just be... If he goes there, sets every goal-scoring record and dump on a trophy, it's just going to be like, I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, don't, don't. Just, just the joy. So, come on, Leverkusen, you have a fan here. You will have a fan for life if you do this for me. I'm willing to go and buy the shirt just to make yeah, sure. Like yeah, I, like last season I was a Dortmund fan. Yeah. <laughs> this season, Leverkusen, yeah, I will buy the shirt. I will get the shirt with whatever on the back. Mate, <laughs> my, like... um, the young lad here has got an RB Leipzig shirt after they won that cup at the beginning of the season. Brilliant. There you go. <laughs> That's the level of petty I'm proud of, yep. everybody. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so um, you're right. But here's the funny thing. Here's the thing that I'm enjoying quite a lot. I I love Eric Dyer. I I've do. always really, I've always really liked him as an individual. I've always really liked him as a player. I felt there's no way he's suit tangible. And so when I've been talking about him going and stuff like that, it's been purely from a footballing point of view. As a professional at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, I think he's been exemplary. I think as a human being, as a person, he, he's phenomenal. Um, he's had severe illness, severe injuries. He's battled all the time, and he's given everything. Yeah. You can argue whether his ability justified playing at times. That's, that's down to an individual preference, and certain managers who are very good in the game picked him every time. I he, don't think you can ever question the effort or the passion and commitment he had to the no. club. No, not at all. Like you say, did he suit Ange Ball? Did he suit this high press, Absolutely bring not. the ball no. out? And Absolutely no. not. But he always gave it. Like so, when he came on against Chelsea with the, the Romero red cards and injuries, yeah. he came on and he made some great tackles, some great he challenges. He worked his ass yeah. off. He, he, he always did what was asked of him. So look, no problem with Eric Dyer. He went to Bayern Munich. There was so much nasty crap written by Bayern fans. They're all eating their words. They love him. <laughs> they absolutely love him. And I mean to the point that when they played the weekend, he was trending. And he was trending due to thousands upon thousands of tweets just going, Eric Dyer, I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea the player we've signed. And I, I read through that and I genuinely, this is so pathetic, I genuinely felt a little bit emotional for him because... When he's been playing for Tottenham for the last few years, and if he'd gone on social media, seen his name trending, I bet he'd have turned the frigging thing off. Yeah. And just walked away. Because no matter how well he played, people slated him. It didn't matter whether he win, lose, or draw, he was the guy who was going to get yeah. shit every day. We won 4 1. Yeah, yeah, but see yeah, the goal that died. Conceded that goal. Oh, yeah. yeah, we were 4 0 up, brought on bloody Dyer, and we conceded. Right, whatever. Whatever. It's done. It's dusted. I felt almost emotional. I'd love to think that someone went to him and said, Eric, look at this. Because you move to Germany, you you know, you put you all this stuff, everything, you do your absolute best. 
and it, it's just it was just everything it was universal and it was it was a lot of shock which i guess you could take the wrong way but there was also just a lot of kind of this guy's got everything he's using both feet he's solid he's doing this he's like come in to cover and well he's my first and just the, the best thing that was is people on twitter are now making montages yeah of his yeah, performances for, for, Di- for yeah. and oh my god he has ping like he's getting the ball down and just yeah. pinging like cross-filled balls yeah. from box to box and stuff yeah and it's like oh yeah don't get don't get me wrong he is playing in a league where the pace is not the Premier League. Some games, it'll be stronger than others, but a lot of the games, he is going to be able to play and look very good on the ball because no one is hammering him. Yeah. And so, it, it suits him. And good luck to him. Like I always, like I said, like Ange Ball's not going to suit him. No. The Premier League, perhaps, is that little bit too fast for him now. But there's plenty of you know, Port- like he was on about. He was noted to go back to Portugal. He looked great in the Portuguese league. <laughs> you know, he could finish his career at Sporting Lisbon for three, four, five more years probably. I mean, you know, Vertonghen and Alderweireld both looked out of their depth in the Premier League and have both gone on and had cracking. They're like the best two players yeah. in the um, yeah in their the in leagues. their respective leagues. They're in the Belgium stuff, league, so, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So you you can do that, and I think Eric's got everything about him to do it in in the slower league. You know, I, mean, I say slower. It's some games, yeah. Some of the games in the German league looks like top quality, but then I watch him play some. You know, watch Bayern versus some teams, and it's like the equivalent of a Premier League team battering some team from the conference. So yeah, um, but that's you know that's just just what it is. Um, uh, Perisic also left. Um, it was a surprise to a lot of people that because of his injury. Um, it didn't really surprise me because it nearly happened in the summer before he got injured. So, yes. Um, it was Hadrick split. He always wanted to go back there. Um, he was kind of keen to do it when his contract ended with Tottenham. And Tottenham were like, look, if you want to get out early, we'll negotiate something because, you know, we're trying to move the squad, trying to bring the squad age down and stuff. And, um, but apparently he had a great relationship with Ange. Um, that freak injury is so unfortunate because I think he genuinely would have got a lot of minutes from the bench. Oh god! Like um, it, as yeah. an attacking player, he would have been brilliant in this. Well, he, he was. You think about the start of the yeah. season, he really made an impact. There, you know. So it, it was kind of it was kind of sad. I mean, it was a very sad end. He wrote a really nice thing about how he wished he'd been able to give more to Tottenham um, because he. he when he signed, it was like he had a very clear vision in his head, which obviously didn't work out. And then just as he thought, well, you know, second season, I can really show these fans what I can do. Freak injury. So he is yeah, still going to go down as one of those players where I'm like, holy crap, he played for Spurs. Yeah, I'm not out with Edgar Davids. That's it. you got Davids, even Van der Vaart, yeah. for an example, you know, that came from Madrid and stuff. But Perisic is one of those. He's been around. He has won. So much in his career, he's always yeah. been a player that I've kind of gone, he's a decent footballer. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. And then he signed for us, and I remember sitting there going, hold up, we've signed Paris. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah sure, I'd have liked to have signed him five years earlier, but still, <laughs> wow, this guy's got it. And then we played him as left-back all season, and I was like, what are we doing? Yeah, moving on from that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, Paris has gone now. Again, that's that's down technically as a loan, but his loans until his contract expires. Um, and he's signed a pre-agreement with Hadjik Split. So we've just let him go there now. He's, he's gone there back. to rehabilitate and get ready for the Euros. 
Yeah, he's hoping he's hoping he can get back and make the Euro squad. Good luck to him. Uh, best yeah. of luck to him because if he can get back, he'll get games there. Whereas with us, that's not necessarily going to happen. However, if England um, play Croatia and he knocks us out because we allow him to go get fit, I'll be pissed. Uh, <laughs> as long as Southgate gets fired, I don't care. Um, but yeah, so similar to Dyer, it's a loan until the contract expires. So they they've left in essence. Yeah. Um, and then and then there's obviously Regulon went to Brentford on loan. Uh, he played very well against Man City last night. Um, yep. And so yeah, and and there's there's the other loan deals that have happened, but those are the three big kind of departures for me. Um, See, one of the big ones for me was uh, Velez going off on loan. I think uh, that is a okay. fantastic deal for him. Okay. With yeah. I think that gives him a chance to really get some more minutes and time in Europe in football under his belt. He yeah. is a player I'm very excited for for the future. Okay, good. Um, he, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting one. Again, injury rehab and stuff. And I think the reason he's gone on loan, um, uh, could be completely wrong is because Scarlett can't because he's done, yeah. he's played for us and played for another team and can't go back out. Yeah. So I think they looked there and they had this opportunity. I think he's been given the number 10 shirt by Seville, which is quite a big deal. Oh, um, so they're obviously planning on playing him. So yeah. Yeah, keep an eye out for that. Um, I, I did follow uh, the English Twitter account for Seville, um, and it made me laugh because they put welcome all the Tottenham fans again. And I thought, ah, good bands. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, fair point. Yeah, we're, all, we're all here to see how our boy's doing. And then, so they kept posting pictures of him in training and stuff. I was like, oh, there he is. Yeah. And I, and I said, oh, you, you want to go viral? Just put a picture of him with Lamella. Um, oh my yes they, they didn't do it I was, I was very disappointed um, but incoming wise then so we, we've touched on this before obviously so we're just going to go over it now we brought in Werner on loan so far very impressed for me yep what about you very very impressed um, um, typically the one game he didn't get an assist in is the one I've got yeah. money on him getting an assist in but there we go that, Typical. That, well, my fault entirely yeah. it's completely your fault I've, we, we've spoken about this um and uh, Dragushin, who for me so far, uh, I've not seen enough of him. Um, he's come on and kind of won a header, pushed someone out of the way. <laughs> he's he's not really done anything so far. Um, I'm interested to see when. Uh, I think I think Ange is trying to be clever. He's trying to you know have some minutes, <laughs> yeah. get on the pitch, uh, have some minutes. Um, I I think I think that's I think that's it at the minute. I think he's trying to be like, look, coming from Italian football, playing in a back five. That's not how I play, but I'm going to try and give you minute to minute so you can get a feel for the pace and the kind of what's going on. Yeah. Um. And I, I think I think we may see that a little bit longer unless there's an injury, but um, I don't think that's a bad idea. No, I think that's it's quite one a good of those idea. signings to me that is a very good bit of business because he is quite clearly a very yeah. very talented defender. Yeah. yeah. Um. But at the same time, it kind of makes me laugh because I'm like. We have got this really talented defender now on our books. Yeah. Yet we've also got probably the best centre back pairing in the league. <laughs> starting every game. Well, You're kind of like, I really want to see Radu get on the pitch and do something. However, I don't want to see Mickey yeah. or Cootie not on the pitch. <laughs> so I'm well, a bit like. I, I think given Cootie's disciplinary record and given uh, the injuries and the way we play. 
we're now one game a week for the rest of the season pretty much so yeah. we should be fairly set <laughs> you know barring some leg breaker going in yeah um but it, but it's it's going to be interesting i think the whole idea is pushing and someone said this to me the other day and i was like oh do you know what i'm going to keep an eye on that so i'm going to say it for everyone to keep an eye on is romero's discipline improved with dragusin on the bench does is romero now nervous about losing his spot oh possibly i mean everyone, yeah he's... everyone everyone just everyone just watch it everyone just keep an eye on that now and if he's red carded in the next game, we'll know that's my fault. Yeah, this is my thing though. I have said the only thing that stops me absolutely worshipping the floor that Romero walks on yeah. is that aggression discipline side. If he gets that in check, then yeah. I will be the happiest player, like fan there is. I um for for me, again, I've discussed this before, one of my favourite footballers uh was Roy Keane. Yeah, and Roy Keane on a regular basis would see a red mist come down and just deck people. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I liked it about him. I like because I think I think to a certain extent it kept opposition a little bit kind of, oh shit, you know, <laughs> if he gets fired up, I could get my legs broke. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> so, I think that's the same sort of thing with me. Is I used to love watching Jose Mourinho on the touchline. Yeah, fucking hated it when he was at my club though. Like, yeah. do that shit as the manager is someone else. It's hilarious. Don't do not do that in my dugout. I, I think yeah, I have a little yeah, bit of I, that. I, you know? I, I, guess, I guess that's an element of it. But for me, it's, it's sort of... We don't. We have not had an enforcer in our side. We've no. not had someone who is going to... Opposition teams don't want to play against. Um, and for me, Romero is that. I think he is Agreed. physical. And, and But there is, there is definitely a line that he needs to... Um, not not so much because the problem he's got is referees now have it in their head. Yeah. You could see a different defender make the exact same foul and get nothing, or Romero gets booked straight away, yes. and that's because there's now a narrative for it. Um, you know, you only got to listen to Gary Neville. You know, you see Harry Maguire take someone out two footed, and Neville's going, "Oh no, that's a footballer's challenge." Romero, you know, clips someone. Oh, it's him again. Romero again. Ooh, yeah, that, crap. that pisses me off. And and that's and that's kind of like you see Romero two foot someone you go yeah he's a prat when he does a challenge that you see every other game and he's getting shit for it you're like nah that's stupid and I guess that's where I am on it which is yeah I don't feel every decision that goes against him is actually justified but at the same time I think he needs to be smart enough as a footballer to go okay I now know I'm under a microscope I need to play a little bit I need to be a bit different. Where reasons this is gonna sound rude. Where he's intelligent enough as a footballer to make that, to do that, I don't know. Um, but yeah. in the last few games, I've not seen Romero put someone up in the air and get booked. I've seen him put a few people on their ass. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Uh, of course, there is another signing uh, who will join us on the first of July. His name is Lucas Bergval. He has um, come straight from a boy band. <laughs> like, he just... Seriously, if you put his, if you put an image of him like in a 911 poster or put him in one oh, direction, geez. he'd look exactly oh, so, right. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm so old. I know. I, I just, I said a 911 poster. Wow. And I just felt like you just went, what the hell is that? Oh. You could put him in, take that, you know. <laughs> hey, smashy. <laughs> hey, nicey. 
He's oh. top of the pops. Um, <laughs> yes, he. One Direction is a boy band. I've heard of them. Yes. They are more modern. And yes, he he could. You just look at him and go, oh, bless him. Yeah. Um, I think the number of uh, young women uh, watching Tottenham could increase significantly. Uh, based on like, oh, dad, are you going to the game today? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I come now too. I can come watch. How can you? Yeah, yeah he's a very, very good-looking young boy. Uh, he turned eighteen. Uh, the second of July. Uh, no, uh, sorry. Uh, the second of February, I think. First, yeah, second yeah. of February. The day so, after we um, signed him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, um, yeah. Uh, he, by all accounts, he's one of the most talented, gifted players of his age in Europe and he was all set to join Barcelona um, Barcelona had even done the whole press day thing booked for it and we stole him then, then, uh, let's, let's just say that again Barcelona yeah. had the press day ready yeah, for yeah, him they, they, they were and so they got he told went, nah yeah, they, they got told the night before they thought they were announcing him that he's actually decided to join us um, oh, so who the feck chooses wet crappy London over Barcelona? So oh. Dragusheen <laughs> picked us over Bayern Munich. Yeah. Uh Berval picked us over Barcelona. Yeah. Um the only thing I can possibly uh, the only the only thing I can possibly think is happening here is crime. Paratici, what are you doing? That <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, guy is still involved. No, I, I think what I find interesting is, yes, he looks like a pretty boy band member. Um, there's a lot of compilations flowing around showing how good of a footballer he is, of course, because compilations make everyone look like peak messy. But the thing I find interesting is a little bit of Tottenham uh, media hearing him speak. The kid sounds like he's in his mid-twenties, not just turning 18. Yeah. And he was very clear of kind of like, I came here and was blown away. Like, yes. I, like Kulisevsky showed him around the stadium, showed him around the training ground, and he was like, everybody from everyone I met is like a family. Um, and there's this footage of Emerson Royale like walking up and hugging him and stuff, and him having his medical and Ange coming to speak to him. I liked that the bit with Ange coming in, like you know, you've yeah. made a big choice here. Thank you yeah. for your faith. Like yeah. Ange is yeah. thanking a player for having the faith yeah. to join us, and I'm like, well, yeah. that's different. It's, it's, again, this is speaking to people like they're human beings and treating them like, you know, you put your faith in me that I'm going to get the best out of you and we, we as a club are going places. So thank you for that. And, you know, welcome aboard and I look forward to seeing you 1st uh, of July. Yeah, and then Romero... And the kid was like, good luck. Yeah. And the kid's like, good luck in the game. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what he says to Romero. Good luck tomorrow. And, Thanks, my yeah. brother. And you're like, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. And that's and that's it. And like there's just a little bit of media there, and you kind of get the feeling that I think if we're looking to sign a player right now, we are a team that looks like we're on the up. Finally, yes. I think in a few, I think a few windows back, I think if you're looking at Tottenham, you're like that's directionless. I don't know. I don't know who their manager is going to be anymore. I don't know what the football is going to be. The clubs seem to just be floundering, going that backwards. So no, nah, maybe that's eighteen not my best wingers are only one centre back. Yeah, what's going on at that and, club? And I'm a winger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, that's the window wrap. Um, the January transfer window was a fraction of the January transfer window of the year before, and a fraction of the last ten January transfer windows. Yes, uh, much has been discussed about this, and we've discussed it as the FFP impact, financial fair play rules. 
the one thing I should probably say straight away is this not actually FFP. FFP is the UEFA construct of these rules. The Premier League has profit and sustainability rules, PNS rules. Yes. It's basically our version of FFP for the Premier League. But I think it's important that everyone knows that that is it. PNS rules, profit and sustainability. Um, the reason why I think this window has been so quiet based on those rules is nervous. It's a kind of, they finally seen with Everton being at top 10 points, the rules bite. I think we'd have seen it earlier if it hadn't been for COVID. So COVID allowed the clubs to make massive write-offs against, you know, against their debts because it's like, how can we punish teams for failing profit and sustainability when they couldn't put anyone in their stadium and yet we asked them to put games on? Yeah. You know, so they had to adjust the rules for that. They made massive allowances. And then when the rules came back in, they, they again made additional allowances of like, okay, we'll allow this, we'll allow this. You can write off this, you can write off that. And and they basically then made one thing a bit tighter because they felt, and I agree with them on this, that if you allowed teams to submit their accounts showing a massive loss that breaches the rules, in the rules as they were going into this season, they would be allowed the next accounting period to deal with it. So teams could gamble their finances for a season on, say, getting Champions League qualification or, you know, finishing higher up the table and having money to offset it. Yeah. And then, you know, and then be like, see, we got it all back, doesn't matter. Well, that's a frigging gamble you've made. So the Premier League said, no, we're changing that. If you've breached the rules in these periods, we're not going to give you that extra time because you're breaching the rules and then you're gambling that yeah. you're going to be able to make that money back and we're not allowing that um i agree with that personally because i think that the whole reason behind these rules isn't the ring fence football but it's to stop owners gambling with the future of football clubs because let's just say for a minute everton who got docked 10 points they made a massive gamble right based on being able to climb the league get this stuff and for whatever reason Everton last season got relegated I can tell you right now that relegation to Everton and with the ownership and everything like that they wouldn't be getting bought by 777 group in the championship no or if they were it would be for a fraction yeah that club is all of a sudden in a lot of trouble that, I, I tell you what mate that club yeah without some Billionaire Evertonian bailing them out through love. Yep, they're in trouble. They're gone. Yeah, they're they're gone because of the stadium bill and everything. They are gone. So these rules are there to stop people getting clubs into those positions, and they have to be quite hard. Ten point deduction for me is oof, bloody hell. That is tough. That is that that shocked me. I I I you know, the idea that that should be less. I, I don't know because it has worked. Every club in this league suddenly in this window went, ooh, maybe we should wait. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't roll that dice. Maybe I shouldn't gamble. Oh, I have never seen so club. many loans done in a transfer yeah, window. Like, yeah. We're going to loan this guy from you for the next three years. But it's a loan. It's a yeah, loan. It's, it's, <laughs> it's mad because, of course, loan stuff can come on and off the books and it's not a permanent thing and therefore you are not 
you know, you are not going to be liable for that. Uh, you can loan someone in on sort of higher wages. The two clubs then split the wages, which means that you're helping the calculations for both teams. <laughs> so, so there's loads of stuff that can be done with loans, which yeah. transfers obviously don't because you're literally transferring an asset. Yeah. Now, there are some clubs in the Premier League who have managed things very, very well and their profit and sustainability is not an issue to them. Those clubs are Liverpool, Manchester United, Tottenham, uh, and to, to an extent as well, Arsenal. Um, they are in a position, and the reason why I say to an extent Arsenal is because Arsenal has still cleared their stadium kind of debt behind it and don't have the same kind of revenue stream that um, Manchester United and Tottenham have yeah. or, or indeed Liverpool. So it, they are definitely there. They're definitely there, but you know they've certainly not broken the rules or anything in amongst this or are in trouble in that way, but they don't have the same capacity to spend because they don't have the same revenue streams. As they seem to be, Arsenal, for example, seem to be a, right, we are going to spend silly money on one player, but then that's it. Well, and, and to be honest with you, they're, they're well within their model to do that. Yeah, you know, it was 100, 100 million on Declan Rice, but I don't think they could do that every window. I think every no. summer potentially, um, but but I don't think they could do that every window. Um, and it's down to them whether they need to do that on one player, whether they need to split, you know, a couple at fifty or several at thirty. You know, it's yeah, it's where they're at now. Now Tottenham have the capacity to do that and and probably a bit more. Uh, we don't have the ownership who will do that. I think it's safe to say. No. Um, Manchester United could just keep spending. They're they're a they're a financial, you know, behemoth. Yeah. Um, Man City is the interesting one, and the reason why it's interesting because Man City has the highest revenue in world football, which means for FFP and PNS rules, Man City are laughing. Yep. But why is that? <laughs> and this is where it's an interesting thing because everyone's looked at the Everton situation and gone, well, that's one charge, 10 point deduction. There are currently about a hundred plus charges levied against Man City by the Premier League. Something, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. So 114 levelled at them on PNS rules. It is a very, very. I cannot say the word very enough. Different case. Yeah. Everton broke the rule. They handed in their books, and the Premier League went, "Yeah, you broke that. Here's your punishment." They've then charged them again since them and Nottingham Forest, and that's currently being, you know dealt with man city had all those charges levered against man city went nope we aren't no they're wrong we've not broken any rules and the reason why this is going to be difficult for me and it's purely my opinion from the outside looking at looking in is it's not the same thing they've not filed accounts that show they've made a thumping loss no they filed accounts continuously showing they've made a thumping profit and those profits, however, come from associated companies, sponsorship deals, stadium rights. And so the Premier League are saying, look, we think you're cooking the books. We've made 114 charges where we believe over the time of your ownership, you have invested outside of what is allowed to be invested by associated companies putting money in. Like, you know... You've got a associated company of one of the owners is now your official water supplier. And they've paid and you how much? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, the problem you've got, of course, is you're a football authority. You have no legal kind of record. You've got no power. No one's defrauding anyone here. This is one company doing a deal with another company. 
and both companies are happy. Yeah. Now, the fact that one company is owned by the brother of the company that owns the other one, and all it's all very incestuous, and all of them are going to the Premier League saying, no, we, we did this because we think it's a good deal. How can the Premier League prove, unless someone comes out and says, aha, this was all corrupt, I was part of it, how can they ever prove that it was corrupt? Yeah. Just, and this just is why because I, this an is why unheard of I, yeah. water company has just paid £70 million to have their yeah. water bottles in the store fridge. Yeah. The week before Haaland signed for £70 million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, this is my point, though. It's like everyone looking at that knows what it is. Everyone looking at it knows exactly what they've done. And currently, the reason why nothing seems to be moving with this is purely my belief is because the Premier League have reached a point where they've gone, we can't prove it. Yeah. Like, we cannot We cannot compel someone. Like, you can't get someone in on under oath. <laughs> you can't, like, this is a lot of it. It's offshore companies as well. So the UK, you know, the UK doesn't even have any authority over it. Man City are paying their UK tax, by the way, on their profits, so they're certainly not getting any... The government and everyone certainly aren't mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, this, this is one of those things, and this is... Again, this is just like, okay, so if the Premier League... And if Premier League dock Everton 10 points from one breach, they've got 114 charges against Manchester City, and they all just collapse because they can't prove them, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a real horrible, you know, grit kind of people angry, one rule for one, one rule for the other kind of scenario. And yeah. that's uh, that's difficult. That's really, really difficult to come back from. But do you see my point and why it's a difficult case? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be... who can, Like I say, who testifies? Who kind of admits that <laughs> we did this off the books? Because... No one's going to. And it's all... It looks like it's all above board, just very inflated numbers. And there's (laughs) there's nothing anywhere to say that you can't make your own deals for these things. So therefore... Exactly. Like Tottenham Tottenham do a deal with Nike and Tottenham... uh, Let's just say Tottenham do a deal with Nike for 100 million. Mm-hmm. And some people look at that and go, bloody hell, that's overpaying. Tottenham don't win competitions. They're not always in the Champions League. But no one's going to look at that and go, well, that's corrupt because Nike don't own Tottenham. But let's, let's then say that actually Nike buy Enoch. Nike now own Tottenham Hotspur Football Club and the shirt deal suddenly is 200 million. <laughs> that's a raised eyebrow. That's a yeah, whole that, that's That's, oh, wait a minute. The deal, like... The deal you've had with all these other teams. So this is where the only way I think the Premier League are going, which is these companies own teams around the world. The Manchester City group own football teams around the world. And these companies have deals with all these different teams and all this different stuff. Now there's different authorities and different regulations, whatever. But in England, some of these companies have sponsored football teams or have sponsored stuff, have done stuff with other clubs before they bought Man City. At a fraction, a fraction of what they do in Man City. Yeah. So for me, that is their only point of attack. But Man City got charged by UEFA. Do you remember? Yes. And Man City went to the Court of Arbitration for Sport and won. Because UEFA couldn't prove that these deals were not in good faith. 
because you can't you can't compel unless someone's willing to say yeah it's corrupt uh, i'm part of it you know i'm i'm shake whoever and i've done it and if everyone's just going to keep saying no we just think it's good value i'm i'm a businessman this is my business i think man city is a su- successful brand and i'm willing to pay to do it yeah what can you do you can't do anything no nope. you're way you're way for lost and i think the premier league are stuffed i think the only reason why it's taken so long is because they feel like they are stuck and they don't know what to do. I feel like they're almost trying to do a deal with Man City with like, look, we'll make all this go away, but we got to do something like a token where we got to give you something. And Man City and them are in negotiation. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, surely my opinion, but it feels like we like we need something. <laughs> we need something yeah. to come on, guys. Like, you've won a lot of trophies. Like, that League Cup that you won two like, years ago. We're just going to take it away from you. Uh, no chance they do that. No <laughs> chance in a million years that they take your titles and stuff off them. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, they'll go nuclear, relegate them like Juventus in Italy. No chance. Do you think about think about the stuff, the shit that's stirred with Everton and clubs in the championship getting ready to sue them? Yeah. Could you imagine the, the law and the legality and Jesus all the stuff if they tried to relegate Man City? However, I would love to see Manchester City versus AFC Wimbledon in League Two yeah. at the Cherry Red Stadium. <laughs> well, the, 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 the funny thing to me is like the old Man City thing. I doubt any of them got a relegation release clause. No. So <laughs> I, I got I got this image of like, and Manchester City have just scored their thirty seventh goal this half. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin De Bruyne with his ninth assist of the last ten minutes. Yeah. Erling um, Haaland, yeah, the so, first player to yeah. score 300 goals in one oh, season. wait a minute. There's a fans run on the pitch here to try and headbutt Guardiola. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, he won't be allowed back in Barnet again. Um, so, yeah. So, it is a very, very different thing. Now, look, I'm not going to bore the life out of people with this, but if you want to have a conversation with me, drop me a message. I'm happy to, you know, answer questions and stuff. A few people have this week, actually. Yes. Um, and, you know, I've, I've sort of talked through things. The one thing I'm going to do to wrap this up then, because it's something that's kind of funny for all of us, is Chelsea have a problem. <laughs> Not just um, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, every financial analyst, football financial analyst, have looked at Chelsea's spending, looked at their, their, their decrease in their income as a club, because, you know, Tottenham is now the most uh, profitable club in London, uh, highest revenue in London. Which, uh, you know, when you think of Chelsea's success over so many years, it's mind-blowing. But again, they also no longer have that that prop and and the stuff that was in place. The one thing they do have is when Roman Abramovich left, he wiped their debt. um, Because he basically made sure everything in the club was indebted to him. And then he just wiped it when he left, which... It's insane to me that that was allowed. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. he he therefore left them without debt in the club, but you still can only spend what you make. You, you know, even if that's the rules. Those are the profit and sustainability rules, a percentage based on your revenue, your income. Yeah. And they far exceeded that. Now, they were clever at first with the amortizing uh, contracts over longer periods. So the league closed that loophole pretty bloody fast, saying, yeah, players can sign contracts for as long as they want. You can only amortise them over five years for your accounts, Yeah, but you can do that. So when the last couple of windows, obviously before this one, they weren't able to do that, or the last one, sorry, the summer, they weren't able to do that. 
but they still signed a shed load of players uh, on big salaries, big weight, big transfer fees. Mm -hmm. So the financial analysts all believe that by the 30th of June, Chelsea will need to have raised just over 100 million in player sales or they will breach the rules the same as Everton and therefore face a 10-point deduction to start next season. Okay. What, what is interesting to that again yeah. is they also will, if they want to sell players, like when the window opens, I think it's like the start of June, yeah. um, you've then got the Euros. I don't know about you, but I know for a fact that in major tournaments, players, if they're called up or they're going off or doing or going on their holidays, transfers don't often get done. <laughs> like, no. Stuff like that. And, yeah, so, again, I have no idea what's going to happen with that, but a lot, of, a lot of football analysts have said they should have sold people in January. The fact that they haven't means they are gambling in being able to sell players before the 30th of June, so it's on their accounts before the 30th of June. And we'll bridge that gap. Now they've got enough in the squad there. You look at it and you go, there's enough players there they could sell and make a hundred million. Yeah. But if they want to buy players, if they're trying to reshape the squad, then they need to sell more, <laughs> don't they? Because they can't spend again. No. Like you, you can't, you can't f sell a hundred million to just scrape over the line for you know P and S rules and then go right and let's drop another half a billion because they're just kicking the can along. Yeah. So Chelsea are, in, Chelsea are in trouble. They, they've gambled with their model, and the gamble was that they would increase their revenue uh, based on what's coming out of Chelsea. Now, they thought they'd get Champions League this year. <laughs> and, and they're in the bottom half of the table currently, yep. closer to a relegation fight than they are a top four. Yeah. And they play Aston Villa next, who are probably the form team in the league, or one of the form yeah. teams in the league. I, I did see a fun thing on their good old Twitter this morning that apparently... The only reason that he hasn't been sacked as manager of Chelsea yeah. is because they literally can't afford it right now because of the the whole profit yeah. and sustainability. They cannot so, afford to sack him, so they're kind of like, oh no. I I think actually, and this is, they can afford to sack him. They can't afford to hire anyone new. I think it's the actual problem because I read that story yesterday, and my problem with it is his salary and all the coaches are being paid now. Yep. So if they sack him, you don't just give him 10 million quid. You just keep paying him. You put him on garden leave. Yeah. And then when they get a new job, you stop paying him. Yes. So it wouldn't make any difference. Do you see what I mean? Like they sacked him today. He's still getting the wages he was getting anyway. But <laughs> if you sacked him to wages, hire someone, yeah. then you go, ah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's what the problem is. Even if you they hire wrote, a free agent, they've still got wages. Yeah. If they hire someone even, in a Even job, if Frank Lampard comes back and officially isn't drawing a salary, wink, wink, to help him out to the end of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no one's buying that shit. Considering <laughs> so, every Chelsea fan at the moment is begging for Jose Mourinho to come home. Yeah, oh yeah, he'll, he'll come home. He'll so come funny. home with with enough wages though. And this Jose Mourinho, he's not a manager who likes to spend big. Oh wait, yeah, Jose Mourinho is literally a buying manager. Yeah. So, but this is the other thing, right? They make another change. They got to reshape that squad again. Yeah. And this this is the madness to me. So like for me, that squad. I hope they fire Pochettino. Him. Let alone for the next oh. guy. <laughs> I hope they fire him because the longer they do this, the more they're in the mud. My fear is they don't fire him. 
they go against the Chelsea fans, they keep him because I think next season they'll be great. Because he'll have all that time to work with them, to bet them in, to make it his team. Remember his first season with us wasn't good? Yeah. Uh, I, I just think the longer you give him, uh, who is a good coach, despite what I think of him personally and his passion for sex with lemons. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that's uh, that's fact. I think you can look that up. I'm sure it's on um, Wikipedia or something, yeah. <laughs> give me ten minutes, it will be. <laughs> so yeah, it just I I I just genuinely think I I wanna see him sacked for two reasons. <laughs> One, it'd make me feel better. And two, I, I I think it keeps him in the mud. Unfortunately I think they know that. I think they realise we can't afford to keep redoing the squad. Yeah. We need to keep him in hope. Um but the Chelsea fans, of course, are used to the Roman. Roman would have dragged him out of the stadium by now and beaten him in the street. Yes. You know, so the Chelsea fans are getting vicious. And if they lose again the Villa, can they actually, you know, can the board keep him? I mean, can they, can they, I am you know, have that here. nasty atmosphere? Yeah, I'm just sat here waiting for the, uh, the coys with a kiss emoji Instagram post from Pochettino when he gets sacked. You said this to me and I tweeted this out. Yeah. And people genuinely reacted to it like, yep, okay. I said this to you and I will stand by it. <laughs> if he gets sacked and the day or the day after he's sacked, he does an Instagram post, like, you know, like feet up or whatever, and he just puts like Tottenham till I die in a winky face, I will forgive him. Yeah. And I yeah. will happily buy him all the lemons he wants. Yep. But... That ain't gonna happen, so I'm still officially very. I mad mean, at him. I'd be happy just with the next day a picture of him with his feet up on the sofa watching a Tottenham game. Just even something like just as subtle as that. Well, do you remember I'd when he was basically well twerking for us all summer wearing Tottenham gear, yeah. like all his old Tottenham gear, like walking around like, "Hey everybody, I'm just here in my Tottenham training shirt." Yeah, yeah, just, just a picture of him in his face with a Tottenham with a Tottenham shirt on, yeah. like just all oh, sitting back. Because you know what'll happen when we play them if he gets sacked. Sky will get him in. Sky will have him there. Like, oh, former Tottenham and Chelsea man, Richard Pochettino, joining us in the in the studio today, and I'll be like, oh, another fucker. Tottenham winning. He's just sat there with a massive smile on his face. You're like, yes. Oh, <laughs> mate, I, look, I, I, I don't know. If he does that, if he does that on Instagram, okay, fine. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll forgive him. But the odds of that happening are very slim. So no, I don't think I'll be forgiven no. him anytime soon. Any other club. Just them and Arsenal. Just two clubs you couldn't join. There's two mm. in the whole of football. You could have gone to any. You could have gone to West Ham, and I probably would have been fine with it. But no, those two. Fuck you. Yeah. Anyway, right. That's it. <laughs> I don't think we tangents that bad. Oh, um, oh. What's the thing about it? Todd Clean? Oh yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that snaky bastard. So yeah, whilst um, we're Tom... talking about snaky bastards joining Chelsea, yeah. let's well, bring yes. that one up. <laughs> Yeah, so Todd Klein, a guy who was brought in from NFL background, his background was uh, marketing and getting the most out of stadiums and naming rights for stadiums. He's had one job, man, one job. Yeah, <laughs> Tottenham brought him in, um, and he has, look, I'm, I'm going to be objective to start, he's done a very good job creating a brand for Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The F1 thing as much as I've made jokes about it, it looks fucking brilliant. Looks amazing, <laughs> like, doesn't it? Like, I got sent this email, and I was like, no, 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 absolutely shove it up your ass, no chance. There used to be a football, you know, I was being a pure football purist. 
And then I had a, I looked at like this kind of promotional video, and I was like, oh my god, that looks so fun. There is more technology <laughs> in the steering wheel of that go kart than there is in my entire house. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. Um, so so there's that. Um, and he, he he worked loads of different things, loads of different deals. You see all these corporate sponsors we kept announcing. That's him. Yeah, uh, and and his team, I should say, and his team. You know, Concerts, you'll, you'll take rugby, the credit. NFL. Uh, yeah, Formula so one. all of these yeah. things, you know, has made the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium a thing. But he was primarily hired to get us a naming rights deal. I I don't know this, but I think personally, when they were securing all these other things, and all of them were at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, at some point the focus changed. I think the club with Todd, etc., looked at it and went, you know what? Every one of these events is now at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Our brand is going through the roof. Like, I quite like the sound of that. Yeah. Beyonce at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, you know, uh, Premiership Rugby Final at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, NFL game. Our presence in the USA has now grown significantly. There's, there's this great... Um, guy who does all these he does all of these statistics for american sports and he's now doing them for for soccer and he's done this thing and he's like every state with the most bought shirts which team for english premier league teams and stuff and he does it every year and i follow him and i i find it fascinating and he's done this thing saying look you're not seeing it because this chart isn't changing a lot he said but what i can tell you is five years ago Tottenham were the number one in two states and were making the top three and maybe a couple of others. I can tell you they're now consistently third or second or first in every state. Yep. For shirt sales. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And that that is massive for the commercial aspect of the club. I don't even really That's like not... <laughs> Do you know what, mate? It gets massive audiences. Yeah. Like the English Premier League in America is getting million. It, well, it's the equivalent of what we're watching. I mean, their population is so much bigger than ours that if we've got a game here where a couple of million watch it, double that's watching it in America. So oh, every year we're like, yeah, a couple of million people watched the FA Cup game last night. Isn't that awesome? And in America, like triple that watched Wolves versus Luton in the Premier League. Just because. They can't yeah. get enough of it. Yeah, just because it's Premier League football. Um. The TV deal for the Premier League for the first time went down this this time. The money TV deal paid domestically went down. Wow. That's never happened before. And the reason why it's happened is because there's only so many people in this country who can subscribe. And they're all subscribed. <laughs> so, yeah. but as a global market, they're making, they're making double, triple on the global sales rights now. So it's, it's you know, it's one hand's going down, the other hand's going up. But the global market, you know, you think about um, uh, just uh, using another sport analogy with the cricket thing. I always remember people saying, they're like, yeah, but what's, what's the cricket worth, really? You know, a couple hundred thousand people might watch it. I said, yeah, in this country. However, the cricket and everything, you go to a cricket-obsessed nation like India, that part of the world, with their population, the yeah. 100 tournament in England is watched by roughly a million people in the UK, it's watched by like 30 million for every game in India. Yeah, they love it. And, and that subcontinent, Pakistan is a few more million, Sri Lanka is a few more million. Australia, That's their sport. Yeah. That is their sport. So that is where the money is for those tournaments. So with football, 
uh, soccer, it's growing in the US massively, and the more and EPL is what they want to watch. English Premier League is what they want to watch, and it is it's, yeah, it's massive. Um, so yeah, and Tottenham, through all of these moves, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is is Tottenham Hotspur. It's in people's, it's in their thing. Like oh, my team played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for an NFL fan, so now I've got a Tottenham shirt. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm I'm following Tottenham. When I'm oh, when people want to talk about the Premier League, that's my team because my all thanks to Clint Dempsey there. joining us all those years ago and raising our profile in America. Uh, Good old juicy Brad Friedel, maybe and Brad Friedel, of course, yeah, yeah, Casey Keller as well. Uh, Andre uh, Yedlin. Uh, We've had a few to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> Carter Vickers, maybe not. Maybe not um, as much. <laughs> so, uh, I I would say that that's a massive thing, and he he has helped achieve that definitely. He is leaving us to join Chelsea. Um, he handed in his notice apparently Monday and got put on guard and leave straight away. By sounds which of it, is... it really shocked everyone at the club. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think anyone sort of like um, I think he was doing a good job, and I, I don't think anyone really saw it coming. What that means for Chelsea is interesting to me. I don't. Chelsea had a lot of plans on a Roman to redevelop their stadium. This guy's background is massively around turning stadiums into venues, into places to be, and getting naming rights. So if you're a Chelsea fan and you like the name Stamford Bridge and this guy's being hired, um, yeah, maybe it's not going to be Stamford Bridge for much longer. Mm. G- genuinely, yeah. you, you, that is something like, this isn't me being like a bitter Tottenham fan, like, oh, you stole this guy from us. I don't really give a crap, we'll hire someone else. But when it comes to why he's being hired... We hired him for a very specific CV that he has and to do a very specific job. Why are Chelsea hiring him? That's where my mind would be if I was a Chelsea fan. Yeah. That and, oh my God, I'm so racist because I'm a Chelsea fan. But anyway, so that is the show. That is everything. Is there anything else as we're hitting the two-hour mark <laughs> you, want to, you want to discuss? God, blimey, I wouldn't have bet on this being a two-hour podcast. But um bum bum Ivan Tony would... <laughs> so a massive thank you to everybody for listening um we really appreciate it we always appreciate the feedback please do get in touch message us via the socials message us uh, email sam at spursnews.co.uk uh you come via the facebook page via twitter um we've even got tiktok because we're young and cool and hip and all that stuff um but yeah get in touch with us uh, instagram as well if you instagram message you get to speak to lovely laura who's by far the nicest one of all of us <laughs> um but yeah i think that's it um massive thank you to everyone who's listened all the way through massive thank you again for all the support we'll be back next week to talk more tottenham until then everybody you will take care come on you spurs Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Follow us on social media. All links are in the podcast description.